Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week me and a panel of guests discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars to Supernatural to The Office to cosplay to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week we're going to be talking about Sherlock, something that your host, Erin, has no familiarity with really. So this is going to be a learning experience for me as well. Um, And we're going to have two new guests on this week with me and one returning, Sasha. Um, So I'm very excited to have two new people on. So as always, before we dive into all things Sherlock, we're going to go around and everyone can introduce themselves and tell me one thing right now that you're excited about in fandom or pop culture. So we'll go ahead and start with you, Rebecca. Hi, I'm Rebecca Jacobson. And what I am obsessed with right now, I just finished binging the second season on Netflix of the show Sex Education, which I think is a, an excellent, uh, excellent program. If nobody has checked it out yet, highly recommend it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that one. I haven't watched it, but I've heard a lot of interesting things about it. Anyone else watch that one? Not yet. No, I haven't watched it yet either. Although I also have heard good things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to add it to my list. And then Sasha? Um, Hi, I'm Sasha returning. And uh, this is one of those really embarrassing true confession moments for me. So I had a really (laughs) rough week and binged uh, The Circle on Netflix, which is a social media reality show. Um, Ooh, and I did it. Case. I did it thinking it was going to be reality show cheese. Um, and I turned out to really like it. Um, <laughs> they kind of grew on me. So true confession, embarrassing. Yeah. Well, we all have those. We all have our guilty yeah. pleasures that we love, and there's nothing wrong with that. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was an <laughs> unexpected one. <laughs> well, I'm glad that it helped you some hopefully with your week yes it did <laughs> and then Susie oh yes hello I'm uh, Susie Segura um, I'm, I'm new so uh, well something that I've been binge watching over and over again just uh, as of recently is well two things one is the Cats musical from 1998 <laughs> <laughs> yes it's just so good <laughs> and the other one is uh, the 
I guess crime drama criminal minds oh so okay two polar opposites but that make it work <laughs> did you see the movie cats no the i have one? not no it's supposed to be absolutely I dreadful saw, i saw the trailer and i said nope <laughs> and that's, exactly that's what made me watch the 98 version okay like, let's compare that's funny <laughs> okay and this is aaron um, and I'm going to break my rule like I always do because I'm going to kind of make this a little bit, it's kind of a double um, suggestion. But once again, um, I am really into Shia LaBeouf again, which is just something that I never thought would happen to me because I used to hate the guy, to be honest, <laughs> he annoyed me. Um, but, you know, I, I already recommended the Peanut Butter Falcon, but the new one um, is Honey Boy, which will be available to stream on February 7th on Amazon Prime. And I watched it last Friday. They had a special 24 hour thing where it was, and I didn't know that when I watched it. So um, it's really good. It's uh, semi autobiographical. Actually, I think it's supposed to be completely about um, Shia LaBeouf's life growing up as a child actor. And he plays basically his father. So it's really good. So I highly recommend that. And then because I now like the guy, I've been watching all his movies. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to watch the Transformers movies, though. I don't know. But. <laughs> no. No. If you do, just watch the first and you're good. <laughs> so I watched, and I'm also, um, as I said, um, doing a 365-day movie challenge. Um, and so I watched the movie called American Honey. It's a little small, independent movie. It's almost three hours long, but it goes by really quickly. And it's on um, Netflix. And it's all about this girl who joins up with, I guess this is a thing that happens, actually. These teenagers go around. They're called mag kids. And they go and sell magazines across the country. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It's it's kind of depressing, but it's it's but it's good. So anyway, so that's what I'm excited about. Okay, so let's dive into Sherlock. Um, so like I said, I am really new to this show. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to learn everything here. I know I've got some excited people. I know Rebecca's got her Sherlock shirt on right now and everything. So we're going to geek out. Um, so I'm going to go around and just first ask everybody what drew you to the show. Um, and then just if you just want to go into that a little bit, start with you, Rebecca. Okay, so I think I probably have... I'm going to guess I have the most unusual draw to this show of anybody who's on this podcast. (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) So I started watching the show when Netflix had, had picked it up. I, so I have to, I have to explain this. My husband and I, we've been, we'll be married four years this year, but for the first six years that we were together, we were long distance the entire time. I know that. Yes, <laughs> that was pretty difficult. Um, and at one of those points, we missed being in the same city by about three days. Uh, I had gotten offered a job in Washington, D.C., and three days before I was supposed to move to D.C., he got accepted to a master's program here in Denver. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I cried the entire drive <laughs> out to Washington, D.C., uh, but while I was in, in D.C. at that point, I, one of my best friends told me, have you watched Sherlock yet? You need to. The guy who plays Sherlock looks just like Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and I was like yeah I, I saw I, I hear people saying good things about it I I loved I read the Sherlock stories when I was growing up I've seen various adaptations of the Sherlock stories yeah I figured I'd probably check it out at some point and one evening by myself feeling lonely again I've decided I'd finally turn it on and watch it and the very first scene when you see Sherlock appear in that very first conversation, my jaw dropped and I went, oh my God, it's Grant. Oh my God, it not only looks like Grant, he acts like Grant too, to the point that this is a little scary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I, I became very obsessed with this show at this point. And my husband does not get into fandoms at all. Like he has geeky things that he likes, but especially when it comes to fiction, it's really hard to get him to sit down and like actually make it through a season of a TV show. And this was one of the few shows that I found that he actually will sit down and watch it with me. And I made him sit down and watch it the first time because I'm like, no, this is you. This is you. You have better social skills. This is you. And sure enough, we sat in that, like, watching, rewatching, at least I think the, probably the third time for me, the first time for him, that first episode. And when Sherlock meets John Watson in person, and like before he can launch into his long explanations that he gives about all the clues that he was able to pick up, Grant started going, Okay, so he probably figured out that he's a soldier because I'm going to guess because of the tan and because of the way that he's standing. And I was like, you are spoiling this show for yourself right now. <laughs> and it's because you are watching yourself. That's funny. So I, I got really into the show, especially while we were doing this long distance for, for so many years, because it was sort of a way for me to, I guess in some ways, be able to like feel like this sort of connection with somebody that I wanted to be close to, but who could not actually be there with me at the time. So... Wow, that's why I say I have probably have the most unusual day <laughs> I ever got into this show. That's really shows. cool, though. That's a really cool. So, Sasha, come on, you you had the same one, right? <laughs> I, totally. How did you guess? <laughs> this is what happens to everyone, right? This is how everyone gets involved in the show because the, they think it looks exactly like their significant other. <laughs> that's the only reason to watch it, right? <laughs> I, I must have been mistaken about what this podcast was about. My bad. Um, I triumphing through adversity. <laughs> for me, I think Sherlock. Um, I got into the the BBC version, the one that we're talking about, like at the very beginning, just because it was Sherlock. And like Rebecca, like I had read the stories, you know, and I. I like the idea of Sherlock. I've always been into kind of true crime uh, detective stories. So it was just, it fit with everything else that I liked. Um, and I was hooked at the beginning. I mean, I also watched the movies, you know, the Robert Downey Jr. movies. And um, I just, for me, Sherlock is just one of those characters that has a place in my heart just for the crime solving aspect. Awesome. Okay, and Susie? Oh, well, I mean, I don't think <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Nothing will ever top that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I actually came across 
Sherlock, I found like uh, gifts of it on Tumblr, and I was like, oh, this is the show. Ooh, about Sherlock? Yes. Modern 21st century, let's do it. <laughs> and I couldn't watch it on like the like the BBC has a special player that you could watch their mm-hmm. their um, content on, but it doesn't work in the US. <laughs> so I had to pirate it. <laughs> so oh. I just <laughs> So I just went online and like immediately looked up the episode. <laughs> and that's why I watched all of them until I went to the library. I did it legally. Yes, which right. is the way you should do it. We're not at all. We're not advocating for piracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how I came across it. Um, you it. Susie, there's a level of true confession that we yeah. don't need to confess. Okay. So, I found it online. Somebody dropped it on the yeah. internet. It was there to be picked up. What do you want me to say? Um, yeah, and then uh, from that... Um, like I had watched the movies and I grew up watching this really weird Sherlock cartoon. <laughs> I think it was called like Sherlock in the 22nd century and Sherlock just shows up as a cyborg. <laughs> Solving oh, mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was odd. I just, that's like, of course. and I kind of like grew that helped like foster a love for I think British culture and it started my love affair with tea and just kind of like went on from there. My love affair with tea. Yes. Oh my god. If anyone asks, I'm a huge advocate for tea. No coffee. Tea is where it's at. Okay. Well, now if you guys want to go around and just say sort of your favorite seasons, episodes, and just a warning to everybody, I mean, there will be spoilers galore. I'm assuming in this episode. So if you don't want to be spoiled about anything, Sherlock, just uh, go and watch them all and then come back and listen. So I'll go ahead and start with you again, Rebecca. Okay. So I, I think like many fans found that uh, the first two seasons were definitely the strongest and highest points for the show. And for me, season two was, is perhaps my favorite because my three favorite episodes all happened to be in that season uh favorite like episodes because they're long episodes with 80 minutes yeah. like maybe movie length yeah they're like they're like small movies maybe that's why i can actually get grant to sit down and watch them because yeah. i'm like we're gonna get a lot of content all at once and then you can take a break <laughs> but uh the hound of the baskervilles was always one of my favorite sherlock stories growing up and i've always loved seeing how that story is reinterpreted over and over and that's probably that that's one of my favorite episodes but i also love a scandal in bulgravia because that's where you meet irene adler and she's one of my favorite favorites um and then you have the reichenbach fall which was you know is based on what is really the end of the original sherlock stories when sir arthur conan doyle tried to kill off his own main beloved character <laughs> so those that in in a nutshell i would say yes season two all three all three of those episodes are probably my favorites they're the ones that i've rewatched the most cool cool and then you sasha um i wholeheartedly agree with the uh rickenbuck fall that is got to be my favorite uh episode in the entire series um and I do agree that I think season two is probably the strongest season um, because of that 
and I think it's just true to that character. But that final episode of season two is just phenomenal. It's got Moriarty, who is like one of my all-time favorite villains. He's just so great. Um, and I do, I got a soft spot for Irene. I agree, Rebecca. Like she's just, she's a fun character. So uh, seeing her is good as well. I do like in season three, though, uh, the wedding episode when uh john and mary get married and um just you know drunk sherlock is a whole lot of fun (laughs) watching sherlock try to make a best man speech as well is one of the one really big highlight moment of the show that i will go back and rewatch frequently (laughs) just the eyeball in the tea yes yeah he just he struggles with all of it and it's just so fantastic and i think one of my favorite lines from the entire thing is when they're drunk and uh john is like oh he's cluing for looks (laughs) yes that's exactly what he's doing i say it all the time (laughs) he's cluing for looks uh-huh so those that's my there's a couple of scenes that I like in other ones, but definitely Rick and Buck Paul is my favorite. Okay, cool. And then Susie? I would have to say ditto. Oh, <laughs> 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 it's just, uh, just my favorite because Irene Adler is such a boss and she's just amazing. She's like, well, you can't guess the combination to the safe. And then boom, it's the measurements to her body. <laughs> like how... <laughs> Awesome with that. Like, yeah, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna make this the code. It's fine. <laughs> I'm impressed that she's been able to keep her measurements that consistent that she hasn't had to change her combination over the I mean, years. She's like a professional matrix. <laughs> How could she not? She has all this money. <laughs> but True. but I think like um also like the very first season, it's also like a big like has a big soft spot because it's like where you're first introduced to like all the characters and you get to know them and the world that they live in essentially yeah a study in pink is always a a great oh, first that's a just, great first episode for a show just love how sherlock reads everyone like, yes he's brown. <laughs> like yes. oh you have dirt on your on your trousers mm, on the knee part especially mm, suspicious you smell <laughs> like his deodorant oh <laughs> You're right. He think he would fit in very well with drag, drag queen circles because he could really read everyone's filth. He actually read a fan fiction where he was a drag queen. <laughs> oh, I want to read that. Please send it to me. <laughs> well, since you mentioned that, we're going to skip ahead here a little bit because um, Rebecca shared um, a YouTube um, video about Sherlock paving the way for fanfic. Um, which I did not realize and should have researched that for our fanfic episode last week. But so that's, that's really interesting. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, Rebecca, because you mentioned fanfic made me think of that. So the video, in case anybody's curious, uh, you can find it on PBS idea channel. Uh, and the premise of, of the video is that fan fiction, as we know it today, essentially got started with Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock because what happened to uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had become incredibly famous and popular writing stories about Sherlock Holmes, the detective that we now all know and love. And the problem is that over time, like many authors, Arthur Conan Doyle got 
sick of his own creation and he wanted to go on to other projects. So he did what a lot of creative people do and he tried to kill Sherlock, <laughs> which is the Reichenbach Falls, which shows up uh, in pretty much every adaptation that you have come across since that storyline comes up again, because then you have to find a way to resurrect Sherlock, um, which Arthur Conan Doyle did have to do because there was such a demand for this character that he had to find a way to write him back into life. Um, but because Sherlock was public domain, you their premise from the PBS Idea Channel video is that with this incredibly popular, very well-recognizable character being in the public domain, any number of artists could take this character and play with all of these possibilities. What would, Sher what would Sherlock do at a wedding? How would Sherlock act if he was supposed to be the best man and get trunk <laughs> at John's <laughs> bachelor party? And so that's, I, that was sort of the argument, the premise that they, they took was that you can trace our modern fan fiction uh, and making those into their own independent popular series back to the way fans loved and reacted to and created their own stories with Sherlock Holmes. And hence we are talking today about this other show that has become very popular once again, adapting this story that's, oh gosh, hang on, how, how old is Sherlock now? <laughs> um, hundred, fifty oh, or something years old. <laughs> 18 and then in the 90s something. He's old enough to drink, that we know. Yes, he is definitely He's old enough to drink. <laughs> I was not informed that there were going to be math questions on this quiz. <laughs> I forgot to mention the pop that. Quiz. Yeah. <laughs> I think Can you put that in the show description, Erin? <laughs> yes, I should start doing that. Math There's going to be math <laughs> equations. There's going to be math for this episode. <laughs> spoilers and math. <laughs> yeah, spoilers and math. Well, you have, uh, again, this... It, I think is Sasha and Susie had mentioned that for people who are coming to this show, that's, I hadn't immediately started watching it when it became available in large part because I thought I've seen dozens of retellings of the Sherlock stories. That's nice. They've put it in modern London. I'm not sure what else I'm going to get out of this that I haven't gotten from other Sherlock stories. I'll watch it sometime because I love Sherlock. But it, until, it, it wasn't until my friend told me, you need to watch the show because your well, now husband is basically <laughs> in, the, in the show. Uh, but I think one of the things that having grown up with the stories that I really appreciate about the way that they've adapted these stories is that there is a lot of combining of some of the different Sherlock stories into single episodes. And if you know a lot about the Sherlock universe, you don't have to know a lot to get interested in the show. It, it's not a requirement for you to get every little, you know, possible <laughs> in-joke. It's like, if you have not been a Arthur Conan Doyle scholar, you are not going to understand the show. But if you do happen to know all of those small details, they do make appearances throughout every season, every episode. And it's really fun being able to find those little yeah, things. It's like the Easter egg that people put in like movies or in games. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I feel like that's something that I have to give Stephen Moffat a lot of credit for, for all the other problems that I have with him. 
uh, <laughs> is, that, is that I do feel like there's a lot of the, there was a lot of research into this adaptation and that little things that like I, I actually went to the Sherlock Museum when I was in <gasps> London <laughs> because they have a house set up that is every room is designed to look exactly the way it is described in the original books and they're all of those little details I see work their way into the show too like the skull on the mantelpiece the VR that's shot in bullet holes into the wall all of those little like the fainting couch where it's supposed to be all of those things I'm like yes they (laughs) Rebecca I went to the Sherlock uh, as well when I was in London because it was like I'm here I have to go see Sherlock well I was gonna ask like did you guys go see the uh, Sherlock exhibit when it was in town yes I yes did. <laughs> yeah it was, <laughs> it was really cool to walk by the different displays where they had stuff from like the Sherlock show and like the movies and the like various other iterations of the thing I really like the actors that walked around and were like Oh, did you see what the detective's brewing up? He's <laughs> like a mystery he's tracking down. <laughs> Trying to solve it, is he? You here to help him? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's amateur, really. <laughs> I got my I Am Sherlock mug from that <laughs> exhibit. I got a hoodie and a little bag of tea, because why not? Because tea. Because tea. <laughs> tea Again. I think I also got the Sherlock tea <laughs> yes. from that exhibit. It's all about I still, tea. I still have the baggie because I just treasured that. That's what I'm really going to call this episode is the tea episode. <laughs> How Sherlock introduced me to tea. Sherlock yep. spills the tea. <laughs> but I do think, I mean, basically what we're talking about, and you mentioned this in your last episode, Aaron, which I was revisiting on my my way down here this evening was that we're essentially talking about a show that is became incredibly popular very uh, well recognized as far as uh, you know awards and things like that that is basic and a lot of it is basically fan fiction (laughs) (laughs) so for all the people who say that fan fiction it cannot be high art screw you Um, so you guys mentioned some favorite seasons and episodes, um, and you guys briefly mentioned a little bit of other characters other than the two main two. Um, and I know we actually had someone, cause I posted seeing what everybody else's favorite things were. I had somebody mention Moriarty as well. So I know that you guys talked about that a little bit, a couple of, well, I don't remember who it was who mentioned it, but, um, that he was mentioned as well, but that character was mentioned as well. So are there other characters other than the main two that are your favorites? Oh boy. Sasha, you want to go first? <laughs> I well, I mentioned Moriarty cuz he's he's one of those lovable villains, right? Like he's so crafty and so just adorable, which is <laughs> weird to say, but he really is adorable, you know. Um so he's just a fun bad guy that you get to like. Uh so I really I enjoyed him a lot. Uh, and I think that Molly is kind of, um, she's kind of a minor character who has a major role, if that makes sense for me. Yeah. Um, you know, like she's just, 
she's almost constantly put in the background and just in really awkward positions with Sherlock and it makes me nuts. Um, so at the beginning of season three, when he comes, spoiler, when he comes crashing through the window, pops his collar and kisses her, I'm finally like, yes, she got it. You know, it was like that little victory for her. I was cheering so much. And that is, that episode is probably the most like fan of, uh, I don't know what servicey fan servicey mm-hmm. yes uh, or even if you might call it lip servicing to fans ever but still getting that moment finally whether it was real or not I was like yay you're right so Molly yeah so much <laughs> yeah watching your face Rebecca when Sasha mentioned Molly was absolutely awesome which we had a video camera because she was so excited she was just beaming <laughs> she was giddy. <laughs> Well, because it's that as as a woman you know it's like when you like somebody and then it's like come on notice notice me have you noticed i'm here hello can you see me you know and then that whole thing and again like rebecca said real or not that popping the collar and kissing her it was like thank god <laughs> about time <laughs> may or may not have rewound that moment a few times <laughs> It's very fair and valid. <laughs> oh, I love Molly Hooper so much, so much so that it's part of my obsession with this show. A couple years ago, I bought my husband the Sherlock coat and I got myself a lab coat and a very Molly looking shirt so that we could go out to the bar and I got myself a red wig so that we could go out to the bars as Molly and Sherlock. But this was at I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just real curious. Where did you get the coat? I ordered it online. <laughs> oh my god, see. Well, also when like Sherlock was in its prime, um Hot Topic was selling the coat. I wish that I had known that. I may have bought yeah. it. <laughs> I may have bought it. <laughs> Just to wear around the house. <laughs> 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 I I actually found somebody who was like a small like cosplay creator and seller who was selling them on Etsy and I actually wanted to go as Irene Adler initially and but then I was like I can't afford to buy two of these coats. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to have to be Molly and just be hopelessly in love with you all night. <laughs> while you ignore me at the bar. <laughs> so that's so yes Sasha Molly is one of my favorites too and I feel she gets so underrated and I also have so many times that I want to just pour a like a kettle of hot tea Steve Moffat's head for what he does to poor Molly throughout the yes show. <laughs> yes <laughs> because I, like, one... yes go ahead Sasha sorry no I was just gonna say 100 percent. like it's just not fair it's not fair. I think that's one of my I've, it's one of my big problems with being a female fan of this show is that I love so much about it and I love so many of these characters and I feel like there are so many wonderful female characters that end up just getting completely trampled over. And there's a part of me that always wants like that has kind of rewritten some of some episode endings in my head. <laughs> just to just to try and deal with that because I start out loving them so much and then I go Stephen Moffat why why did you do that to Irene Adler <laughs> why did you do that to Molly 
yes these women so much well and Aaron, i think did we talk about it in buffy or did you guys talk about it on another episode about like just female characters that get that horrible treatment yeah we did talk about we talked about um fridging we talked a little bit about that on buffy and then i know we've talked about that before but yeah we yeah. talked about where female characters are killed to cause man pain yeah. um you know because we also ta- mentioned that that's a big problem with supernatural too which when we get to oh. that episode we'll talk about but oh boy. yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that seems to be that seems to be a common theme when shows are centered around men a lot of times um they tend to want to hurt the women to cause more action from the men kind of thing sometimes i don't know if that's the, exactly yeah. the case in sherlock but yeah uh, it's like, yeah what sometimes. can we do to cause drama i know kill the woman Yes. This will. This is an excuse for the men to express emotion. Mm-hmm. Well, that's if we may get into real big spoiler territory here. Then that's exactly what they do to Mary Watson in the show, and that yes, that episode is my least favorite of all time. I recently went back and and rewatched it because I was like, okay, I'm gonna. I haven't watched season four in a long time. I'm gonna go back and rewatch it, and I finished the end of the episode, and I was like, nope, I have to turn this off again. <laughs> still makes me so mad (laughs) because they build Mary Watson in the original stories is literally just a a woman that is mentioned as being John's wife. That's her entire purpose in the original stories. And they get a chance to develop her so much in this series. And she becomes this wonderful member of, you know, John and Sherlock's team. And then they her and it's pretty much just to cause John pain mm-hmm. and push the story that way I see Susie making a face would you like to, <laughs> to comment on that I mean oy, we're just gonna go back to the classic shoot the woman yes okay that is that is what happens is that makes me so sad and now I'm sad oh. now we're all sad <laughs> I'm sad and I haven't even watched it, but <laughs> I'm just sad it always happens on shows, but um I'm like sitting over here all by myself with my cat in my lap and I'm like Aww. I need a tissue. <laughs> just use the tail. Use the tail. <laughs> well, and, you know, as as far as like that whole character's arc, it they literally do make her last words like basically you too, John and Sherlock, you need to stay together and keep working together. Oh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> and then she croaked. Um, uh, I mean, she doesn't like, that's not like her dying speech. The, they find a video later that she's recorded for them in the event of her death. And that is her final message to mm-hmm. them, which still pisses me off. <laughs> it's just annoying. It's, it's just annoying. crappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that needs to change shows need to change that and mm-hmm. you know kill some men <laughs> cause women pain <laughs> switch it or up just some. kill them and walk over their dead bodies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i would like to find a fix it fix in which mary does not die there probably, probably there probably like are some out there you can pretty much find anything out there in, in fanfic world so to any of the audience listening if you have any or if you've written any <laughs> I'll give you my Twitter account at the end of the show. You can send me your recommendations. 
Yes, remember <laughs> to do that. I need some healing. <laughs> still, years later, I still need healing. <laughs> this is what happens when you're a fan. You care so much, and these fictional characters' deaths still hurt mm-hmm. you years yep. later. Thank you. Yep. Pain, pain, go away. <laughs> do you have peanut butter? <laughs> do you have any other um, favorite characters, Susie, that you want to mention? Well, <laughs> I feel like we're going to take a hard right here. <laughs> but I do enjoy Detective Strong. <laughs> Oh, yes. yes! I love how he has to deal with having this detective just come around and be like, I'm going to solve things for you because you're incompetent. <laughs> you and all your team. <laughs> he just, I don't know, I feel like he takes it in stride and just like, oh, I forget. I think it's the Viking Buck Fall where he just, he's just sitting on his like desk with his feet up and drinking a cup of tea. They're like, there's the, there's the robbery at a bank and he goes, not my division. <laughs> yes. While well, his mouth is like full of cookies or donuts. It's <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. a very often gift moment for me yeah. where I will send that to people saying, not my department. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, uh, Mrs. Hudson, she's just a joy and a delight <laughs> to have. Another character that gets a lot more depth in this reimagining that sadly does not end up often going much of any place. Because Mrs. Hudson literally appears in the original stories just there. Like, she's the woman who opens the door, basically. (laughs) She does not make much of an appearance. Yes, exactly. Exactly. He's upstairs. (laughs) Uh. That's interesting. Which, again, I think is, it's a funny detail that they like to add in the show of how many times Mrs. Hudson says, I'm not your housekeeper. Because that is what she is in the original story. Yeah. <laughs> and then bring some tea and cookies. And yes. Oh, here, you need to eat something. <laughs> I just, I do like how the show, like, explores, like, the relationship that she has with um, Sherlock and Watson, especially Sherlock. Like, um, I think it's also in the same episode of Wrecking Black where <laughs> she gets threatened by the assassin. And Sherlock just throws him out a window for threatening her. <laughs> what happened? Oh. <laughs> That's gonna hurt, isn't it? Like, this is great. That's such a wonderful moment. <laughs> yes. I also great. like this scene for Mrs. Hudson when she comes in and she's bringing him the tea, mm-hmm. and he's—is it after the wedding or after the bachelor night or whatever? Where he's kind of hungover and he's like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Bringing your tea." He's like, "You bring me tea?" She's like, "Where did you think it came from?" It's like it just appears. <laughs> no doesn't appear somebody's bringing it to you but he's just so like oh there's tea (laughs) just kind of cracked me up he just takes for granted the fact that tea will be there correct (laughs) in the same way that he takes for granted often that john is like sitting across from him listening to him which i think in season four uh, during one scene john replaces his face with just a balloon sitting there with a smiley (laughs) face on it in the chair and it's taken <laughs> Sherlock four hours to notice that yes that's not actually John sitting in the chair <laughs> so yes. very observant and so unaware yeah I love it well it's great just sitting here as an observer of someone who hasn't watched the show and just watching Susie and Rebecca's faces and then also listening to you Sasha and just seeing um, just the joy and then also the sadness of some stuff and frustration with some things you know it just it, it's just shows you that with every fandom it's the same thing it just kind of brings out this joy 
um, and also can bring out frustration and love. And just, it's just, I just want to say that just really quickly, that it's really cool. That's what fandom really is about. That's what falling in love with something really is about. So um, I just had to add that in there because it's just a joy to really watch you guys reacting <laughs> to this. Um, so it can be painful sometimes to be a yeah, fan. It is. It <laughs> like can be very painful. <laughs> yeah. Like we haven't even touched on the special that they had for Sherlock, the Abominable Bride. Yeah. Oh, you? <laughs> yes. Oh. So, and I heard Sasha groan. Oh. So she... <laughs> Would you like to share your feelings on the Abominable Bride? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't imagine her throwing her arms down. No. <laughs> oh. It was one of those moments that was so wonderful and so bad to be a fan, especially a female fan at the same time, because I was loving that story so much. And then we got to the end of it. Mm. And Sherlock mansplains feminism to oh, a group really of women of suffragettes <laughs> yeah. that are for some reason dressed in purple. I mean, huh. I blocked that for my other way. I just like focusing <laughs> on the bride. <laughs> I know, right? I like to block that part of the episode for my mind, too. <laughs> I like to just forget how it ends. <laughs> now that you brought it, it's all coming back to me now. No, I'm just going to focus <laughs> on the bride and how how fun she was. <laughs> And how wonderful it was to see Molly Hooper cross-dressing as a man so that she could work in her chosen profession yes. in the 1890s. Yes. In the morgue. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite moments in that entire episode is her bursting into the morgue and going, Holmes! <laughs> <laughs> and you as the audience immediately know, like, oh, that's Molly Hooper. <laughs> yes, she's here. <laughs> And Sherlock's too oblivious to notice the fact that that's clearly a woman. Oh my god, that reminds me. Okay, this is going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but there's this uh, <laughs> exclamation movie called Pirates Ahoy. And in it, like, the one of the pirate crew is most clearly a curvaceous woman just wearing a beard. <laughs> and she's in love with the captain, but he doesn't know. He's like, oh, it's so great that you're a man just like us. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> Boy, Captain. <laughs> it just reminds me of that. There's, there's a lot of those kind of things in, in, uh, in media. <laughs> a lot of movies and a lot of shows like that. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on that, that trope, really. <laughs> it's true. Yep. Um, well, you guys have already touched a little bit on least favorite characters and episodes. So before going back to that, since you haven't really, you've touched a little bit on the main characters, but um, a big thing, and this has come up a lot. So this is why we definitely need to do an episode just about this is um, I know this show has been accused of queer baiting with Sherlock and Watson. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if everybody, does anybody have any feelings on that or opinions on that or. Oh, so many. Who wants to start? <laughs> Go for it, lady. Susie, you start. I've started so much. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, don't put me on the spot here. No. Okay. Let's let's start here. <clears throat> um, I I myself am an avid uh, not avid, but I am a shipper of John Locke. 
and just the queer baiting in the show just <laughs> like I want it to happen but they're just so scared to and like you can't see like the genuine connection between the two and it's just it, it's very frustrating in a way just to you know and also as part of like I am part of the LGBTQ community and I just want to see representation of my peeps and when you can't have it in like one of the shows that you really like it just it hurts it hurts a lot I can see that like I think what always what always bothered me the most about seeing queer baiting specifically in the show Sherlock is that especially when you start season three where you have all of these theories that different characters are posing about how Sherlock survived. You can tell that there's, they're very deliberately like playing off of what they've heard fans saying in that entire, you know, downtime between season two and season three, which is a little bit of like winking at the audience saying, yeah, yeah, we know that you guys were talking about this but they really play up the queer bathing in that episode. And it's really, I think that was the point where I found it the most insulting because you have a moment where one of the theories that somebody comes up with is that it was really a dummy that Sherlock pushed off the roof and he and Moriarty are secretly best friends and they're sitting up there on the roof while everybody else is panicking below, having a good laugh, and then they lean in for a kiss, and then you cut to, cut back to reality, and somebody's saying, "No, no, that's definitely not what happened," because I felt like that was the point where Steve Moffat and Mark Gaddis were like, Hi, "We know you guys think Sherlock could be gay. Ha <laughs> You're dumb. That's you're dumb." That's the <laughs> moment when the cheeky wink just became a slap to the face. Yes. And the thing is, people have been saying that Sherlock and John could be gay since, I think, about the 1890s. I I seem to remember reading somewhere, please don't quote me on this, I'm so sorry if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember reading at one point that that was why John got married in the original stories in the first place, was to Mm -hmm. just be like, look, he is not gay. I mean, there was even... um... Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, there was even a post that I saw on Tumblr at one point where, like, Mrs. Hudson tells um, the guys, and I think at the very first episode, she goes, Oh, yeah, Mrs. Uh, what's her name? Next door has two and they're married. And um, they they said that, like, um, in the post, they revealed that within the books, um, Mrs. Hudson and the other lady, I don't remember her name, the landlady, the other yeah. landlady were essentially like the same character and Mrs. Hudson just moonlighted as the other lady. And so there was like the cheeky little fan theory that like, (laughs) she's saying they're going to get married. (laughs) Yeah, there's, uh, I have such a problem with it because I I don't particularly care whether or not, if, if somebody wants to ship John Locke, I can totally see how that happens. There's a lot of chemistry, especially because part of what I love so much about the show is Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman have such amazing performances for John and Sherlock. And 
they have such a great chemistry and such a great rapport that, yeah, I could totally see see them being a couple. But I also had always seen the character of Sherlock from even going back to the original stories and in so many other iterations as being asexual. Like that was just not something that he was ever interested in, whether he would be ever romantically interested in somebody or not. That, and I like every time I think about the character, I can't really picture him being like, "Yes, let's go to bed <laughs> together." <laughs> okay, well, ne- doesn't necessarily have to be all sexual. It could just be a very like loving, platonic, romantic, domestic partnership. <laughs> I suppose that's a possibility. <laughs> But Rebecca, I think that to help with urges, to Rebecca, <laughs> I won't listen because I think this is a family podcast. Well, <laughs> so I don't know but just to I can get. I've had a lot of jump on the bandwagon <laughs> of Rebecca with like I always saw Sherlock as kind of like that. He's too busy for any real like quality relationships, which is why he struggles with. He's like, wait a minute, I have to be the best man i have a friend what um and so in that supposed to do (laughs) right well but in that wedding episode when the bridesmaid is kind of flirting with him and hitting on him like you know the maid of honor and the best man it's kind of a thing and sherlock's like what she's like okay (laughs) maybe not but my favorite part about that interaction he has with her is you know when uh they bust the bad guy and she's like, do you always carry handcuffs on you? He's like, down, girl. You know, he's, <laughs> like, he's not, it's like he's really not interested in any romantic anything. Um, so I can see the aversion to relationships in him, regardless of anything else. This may be an un- an unpopular opinion because I understand where, especially Susie, as you mentioned, if you are part of the LGBTQ community and you see a real lack of representation, I can definitely understand seeing this relationship between these two characters. Of, and this happens in a lot of different different medias and different stories and universes, wanting to to see them in a relationship, somebody that represents you. But I've always felt like it was kind of a disservice to assume that they must be gay because there are so few stories in which I feel like you get to see a really strong emotional intimacy and connection between two straight men and have that be okay. And that, I feel like I've met so many men and I've had this conversation with my husband several times because of all the things that he is a, a fan of, sorry, Grant, I'm talking about you a lot on this, <laughs> this episode. <laughs> love you. Should be a guest as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, he really loves the Lord of the Rings series. And of course, for years, people read a lot of those characters as Sam and uh, Frodo as being gay. And it always kind of drove my husband a little, a, a little irritated, I guess, it drove him a little batty because he said, no, that's not the point. He's like, they're supposed to, he's like, they're more like, you know, brothers, brothers in arms. Yeah. yeah. He's like, that's the point is that you're supposed to have this 
this really strong, you know, friendship and devotion between the two of them because that's what Tolkien saw when he was fighting the First World War is the sort of brotherhood that he formed with these men that he was literally fighting and dying with. And so I, I always feel like it's nice to get these, to be able to show these relationships. I'm like, I kind of want to show straight men like, look, you could, you could entirely have a really close friend, whether they're a man or a woman, and there doesn't have to be sex involved. And so I always feel whenever they go, yes, you can be vulnerable with each other. It's okay. You can hug. It's all right. shake hands you don't have to leap to hugs right yes yes we don't have to leap to hugs right away we'll stair step it handshake first and i and i agree with that i think but i think what the biggest issue with queer baiting is and always will be is the fact that it is playing on people's emotions it is using them to be in their audience it is using people in the lgbtq community to be in their audience dragging them pulling them in and then going ha 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 and just dragging along and along and along and along and giving them little carrots here and there. And so that's why it's a huge issue while I agree, you do need to have more male relationships where it is, you know, where it, it doesn't, you can just show the more uh, vulnerable side without it being sexual, but there aren't a lot of relationships on some of these shows that do the, that where it does lead to where they actually are in a sexual relationship. I mean, it's getting better, but that's not always the case anyway, when that happens, I think personally. So I think that that's why, I mean, I've never watched Sherlock, so I get, so I can't really comment on what they do in in this case. Um, But I know that that's why it's such an issue is because it's really using fans. It's really kind of a using and abusing fans. I think that's why people have an issue with it. I mean, I'm not in the community, so I don't want to completely speak for the community, but that's what I've heard. And that's why um, I think it's, I think it's an issue because I, I see both sides, but I think that's, I mean, I just think it's wrong to sort of bait people like that. You know, think, with a promise yeah. that something will happen when you, when they know it's never going to happen. Yeah. I think, yeah, which like it can also um, like of all the low like representation for the most part can also lead to like any representation that we do have, we just hold on to it and mm-hmm. we just hold it close, even if we know it's wrong. Like Call Me by My Name or Love Simon. Those movies, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> they have such issues but it's like the gay community when they came out they just like latched onto those for some reason and well i get why because they were like we're being represented and it's like well there's better things out there guys come on but you cling Mm -hmm. to what you have yeah i think that that you feel that that's all you're gonna get and yeah i think that you you made the very a very good distinction Aaron between in the difference especially in the show between queer coding and queer baiting which queer baiting is that very specific we're calling it out to say yeah we know everybody thinks John and Sherlock are gay and we're going to have the characters have to like roll their eyes and shout and have to have other characters make that the butt of the joke for just about every episode like oh you two you're like an old married couple <gasps> or and I'm like that's that's so mean because that is the that that's where you're taking it and you're making it a joke 
as opposed to just saying, that's, that's nice. <laughs> you guys are so close. <laughs> that's lovely. Whereas I think, so you uh, put in the outline, Mary uh, Kate McAlpin write, has written about this uh, on her blog several times about that difference between queer coding versus uh, queer baiting. And Susie, as you mentioned, that's, that's something that's come up you know, for so many years, writers uh, and filmmakers could not explicitly make their characters gay. It was very specifically forbidden. It was, your movie would not be released, you could get fired. Mm -hmm. And so they had to write characters in a way where the audience knows like, yeah, we know, like we're, we're getting the signs that, that this is, they're actually a couple or he's gay or she's a lesbian. And like, we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I would like to see a Sherlock adaptation in which they went ahead and went for it and made John and Sherlock a couple because I think it would work really well. <laughs> I think that would like, be yes, fantastic. It would, because then it's just like, oh, look at me, I got to deal with this poor friend of mine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it all. You can't, you can't hide any surprises. <laughs> like, what would that relationship dynamic be like? I'm going to make a surprise dinner. Oh, I'm gonna get him this for his birthday. And then, oh man, he knows. <laughs> I already know because I saw the flower on your elbow, and so I know that you've been making cakes, but you're not very good at it, and so you decided to buy the mix anyway. <laughs> That's my best impression of Sherlock. Well, and also another way to do representation, which you don't get a lot of asexual representation in media, really. I mean, no. you don't get a lot of that. So that would be another way. I mean, because I know you mentioned that Rebecca of him being. Uh, thinking of Sherlock as being asexual and I don't know if the show has outright said that at all or made that kind of so it's I feel like that's also like I think the whole queer baiting thing it doesn't just have to be like about like oh they're both gay and they're in a relationship I think it also might have to do with the fact that they say like oh is he asexual? Is he straight? We don't know. He's just he's just Sherlock, which is also fine. But again, I feel like it's also playing on people's like hopes and emotions that like they might want to see him represented as asexual so that they can have like um another you have representation kind of, like, figurehead yeah. for the movement. You know, it's just like how people were so excited when they announced that uh, Newt Scamander was asexual and then they just threw that out the window. Whoa, I've missed that. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, I, I think I read it somewhere that someone had said, although correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm pretty sure I am, but I think someone had somewhere mentioned that um, it was revealed that Newt was asexual or something of the sort and they just completely disregarded that. And there's also the thing with... Um, Jughead from the Archie comics in Riverdale mm -hmm. how the actor and everyone was talking about how oh he's gonna be asexual guys don't worry we're gonna you're gonna have this character it's gonna be great and then they just put him in a hetero relationship which was great <laughs> yeah the CW can be pretty bad <laughs> I would say they've done some pretty bad bad things there um, even with when they've had people in relationships, they, they've done a lot of fridging of characters. Um, 
but yeah, but, and we're definitely, we're going to be doing, um, like I said on a show the other day, we are going to be doing, um, in June for pride month, we're going to be doing a bunch of shows about specific shows like Will and Grace and Queer as Folk and the L word. And then we're also going to be talking about the future of future representation, the representation now, mm-hmm. probably even bringing out shows like Pose, which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have Sensate on there. And then, Great okay. Show. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll have a lot of different things that month because I think it's very important. So just want to throw that out there. Um, okay. So before we close out, um, we've, we've talked about Sherlock and Watson in this, in, in, queer baiting and then a little bit mentioning in other areas um, and a little bit about the actors, but I just want to sort of go around and if you guys just want to describe um, if how you feel about this representation of those characters, the portrayal, the actors, stuff like that, um, and how it compares to maybe other ones. Other adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that um, I love so much about the show is that you know, apart from the visual style, because I came from uh, broadcast and film world myself. And so I love it. I love how they visually represented Sherlock's thought process and how he notices all of these tiny details in a way that I don't think any other adaptation has captured before. But as I mentioned at the, the start of the show, um, I love the way that... Uh, that Benedict Cumberbatch has portrayed the character of Sherlock Holmes. I feel like it's one of the best adaptations of the character that I've ever seen. I actually had, I was not very enthusiastic about the Robert Downey Jr. movies. Um, And people were always like, why? I thought you loved Sherlock Holmes. And I'm like, Robert Downey Jr.'s too much of a playboy to me to be the completely logical you know like single-minded detail-focused Sherlock that I know and for that matter I also felt like Martin Freeman does such a wonderful job of showing exactly why John is necessary to the Sherlock stories because I think John was used for so long in adaptations of the stories as just either literally just the sidekick, like, I guess I need somebody else to come along. So you've got to go to John to, you know, in the original stories, he's, he's not really the narrator, but he's the one who is effectively telling Sherlock's story. And they, they keep that in this adaptation, but he is what makes Sherlock human. And so I love so much about that. I think that this, this show and this adaptation has done such a wonderful job of casting all of these characters in a way that really brings these characters that we've had for a hundred, 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 so these characters that we've had for 133 years, uh, I feel like in this, like this is one of the, in some ways, uh, as far as like bringing the, the attributes that really make Sherlock who he is, make John Watson 
who he is, even bringing out these characters that were originally minor throwaway characters like Mary Watson, like Mrs. Hudson, like Irene Adler. Like, I feel like all of the actors in the show have just done such a wonderful job of bringing all of their traits to life. And I love it so much. <laughs> I'm a little overwhelmed with this episode. <laughs> Sasha, do you have anything to add to that? Um, just ditto. <laughs> just I think ditto. that the casting, the casting is phenomenal. Um, I, I want to point out that I realized going back and watching just a couple of the episodes, just to kind of jog my memory. Uh, there's one scene where Benedict Cumberbatch is coming out of a building and he flips his coat on, and it's the exact same move he makes in Doctor Strange when he puts the cape on. So apparently <laughs> Sherlock and Strange are the same person. Just so you know. Um, it was the exact same move. I was like, wait, what movie am I watching? What do you think the director um, was? Did you say, you know that thing you did in Sherlock? Do that now. <laughs> Could be. It was the exact same move. Maybe. Maybe, maybe that's actually how he just puts coats on. Maybe. <laughs> that could be it too. Yep. It's, it's like, just his preferred method <laughs> to fling it in slow motion. Yes. Oh, yeah. He bends the laws. <laughs> so you're telling me I've been putting my coat on wrong all these years? Yes. Yes, yes. yes you have. You've been putting it on point. in slow motion. <laughs> oh. All right. I'll work on that. <laughs> Susie, do you have anything to add with the performances or just the way the characters are portrayed? I mean, I do, I've seen a few iterations of Sherlock in my day, and <laughs> I do like what kind of, I can appreciate what each one, like, brings to the table, like, from the animated to, like, the film and to the, um, to the TV show, so, but with the TV show, I really do like how we are given a chance to go more in-depth with, with characters that were more, like, background, and we get to learn more about them, and what their interaction is with Sherlock and Watson and how it all comes together cohesively to like create this world that we get to enjoy. Cool. Well said. Um, well, before we close out, is there anything else anybody wants to mention that you want to make sure it gets mentioned on this episode about Sherlock? Like anything? I mean, I know we could do probably a whole other episode or other hour long, but anything else really quickly? <laughs> probably Rebecca. <laughs> I see Rebecca's face. <laughs> Oh, did you hear that? Hear that? Her motors are revving up. <laughs> like I'm ready to go. I have so many thoughts and feelings. <laughs> um, I, I I think that I will say for um, I think there's there's so much to think about this show. And when when it was first recommended to me, I did not think that I would have become the the fangirl for it that I am today. And I think that that's one of the wonderful things about, about fandoms in general is that they're, they're these pieces of fiction that find their way to be so personal to us to the point that I am wearing my Sherlock t-shirt right now and that I made my husband dress up as Sherlock for Halloween one year so that we could be my favorite ship couple of the show. <laughs> 
Uh, I love this show so much. <laughs> well, sometime <laughs> we might have to do another one and just have you just and then watch her get sad when you mention what Stephen Moffat does to her favorite female character Ugh, so bad it is yeah. so bad I I will say that's that could be a whole topic for another time it's about Stephen Moffat's problems with women yes <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to make a note of that for <laughs> Okay, well, um, once again, you know, there are other things that this brought up that we could definitely talk about um, and do whole episodes on, um, but we're going to close it out for now, and I just go around and everybody can just say where they can be found if you want to be found. Remember, you don't have to be found, and if there's anything you want to plug that's fandom, pop culture, et cetera, related, anything like that. So start with you, Rebecca. Okay, so if uh, anybody has some of their favorite Sherlock that they want to recommend to me or fix it fix for some of our our problems that we mentioned today uh, you can find me on twitter at at rebecca jacobson all one word and it's s-o-n thank you very much uh, <laughs> as far as like plugging things from fandoms i think it's kind of interesting i mentioned that what i had just finished is the show sex education and we talked a lot about representation uh, for the LGBTQ community and queer baiting and things like that in this episode. So if you want to see a show that does a wonderful job of showing a wide spectrum of sexuality, especially in a group of young people as they're exploring and learning about sex for the you know first time, I highly recommend Sex Education. Uh, I think it's a it's a really clever show and a really it does a really wonderful job of making sure a lot of those groups get equal time and are seen in their characters. So awesome. Awesome. Want to check that out. Okay, and then Sasha. Um I as previous I'm going to remain <laughs> incognito for now and unfindable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um Susie, do you want to be found? Well, I too will remain an enigma. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe in the future sometime. Give me a call. <laughs> but for now, it's enigma I shall be. I just get to enjoy the dulcet tones of, dulcet tones of my voice. <laughs> um, but in terms of fandom related, like plugging anything, um, if you folks get a chance to watch Cats, the night <laughs> 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 Not the 2019. No, the 98. Just please do. It's a hoot. It's a weird. It's a weird trip, but it's a trip. Um, I don't know. And also, just give Sensei a a gander. Just it's a really good show exploring also like human sexuality and also human relationships and how we all interact and like um yes interact with each other and just how humanity is all it explores themes of like connection and family and it's really it's a really wonderful show <laughs> yeah and i've written it down for something to be covered in the future if it doesn't if we don't touch on it you know in one of the episodes in june which i'm sure we will but if we don't it definitely will be something that will happen in the future um and then i'm sorry sasha was there anything you wanted to plug um if not it's fine no okay i'm good 
Um, and this is Erin. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. That's all one word. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. And be sure to follow the show on Facebook at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Um, on Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Um, and you can email us if you'd like to with any feedback, any questions, any ideas for future episodes at um, it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And next week, uh, we are going to be talking about the Oscars. So, and that is something that Aaron is a huge, huge, huge geek about. So, um, that should be fun. I also have lots of issues, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you'll hear me ranting and raving. Um, but yeah, that'll be next week's show. So until then, remember it's a fandom thing. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.